indeed a pleasure to be here in Killarney this morning. And uh, I guess Vern and I were talking this week, uh, Vern Greening and I, uh, oh good, uh, about uh, usually I get to come in the dead of winter. You know, the coldest weekend of the year is usually the Sunday you get to be here. And this year, well, we were in a time of sabbatical rest. And uh, so we get to come on one of the most beautiful weekends of the year. And uh, it was cool seeing some of your, uh, your folks down, we were at a music convention down in Florida. And uh, in, a, in, a, in the midst of a thou- you know, several thousand strangers, and so I'm just enjoying the music, all of a sudden you hear someone go, Harold, Harold. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was like music to my ears, so thanks. That was so cool to see, uh, to see you folks down there. Um, I want to share this morning about uh, the needs uh, happening across One Hope Canada before I get into the, me- the message of the morning. And it's uh, great to see in your bulletin those, uh, those needs detailed, particularly uh, at Turtle Mountain Bible Camp. And uh, I know, I mean, the camp has been around for, what's it now, 60 years or what? They just had an anniversary. Was it 70 years? Or something. Anyway, a bunch of years, and this church has been so foundational in uh, uh, the support of that camp. So thank you so much. And as they continue to look for male and female cabin leaders, uh, please, if you're able to go for a week or for the summer, please do. And if not, please pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field. Um, I think we just blanked out. Uh, okay. Well, anyway. Um, also, uh, they are needing uh, cooks most weeks, lifeguards, wranglers, and also volunteers for various projects at the camp. If you're one of those people that are good at food preparation and want to do it in a, in a full-time basis, uh, our camp at McGregor Valley View Bible Camp is looking for a full-time food service coordinator, not just for the summer, but year-round. So if you're uh, desiring to do ministry that way, they are looking for someone there just to uh, carry that load. And also they are needing urgently needing female cabin leaders starting as early as today for their team camp. And so be in prayer for that. And if you've got uh, friends that maybe you can recommend or send up to the McGregor area to Valley View Bible Bible Camp, they are needing some people there. Gimli Bible Camp uh, up along Lake Winnipeg is also looking for cooks, a lifeguard, and cabin leaders, so there's needs right across the province. So uh, uh, do be in prayer for that, and uh, if you're able to join us in the front lines of ministry, please do. Okay, uh, let me just uh, unplug this. Let's see if we can give this another shot. Sometimes uh, these computers will think differently, and... uh, Okay, maybe not. Okay, anyway, so you, I guess we'll, uh, okay. We will proceed, and uh, if someone can wave at me when it comes back on, then, uh, then we will go. I want to speak this morning on the topic of living in denial, living in denial. Now, that's a pretty fancy uh, phrase that's often thrown around counseling circles. Uh, my good wife just graduated with her Master of Arts in Counseling. So now I've, whenever I get home and I, I say something, she's like, what did you mean by that? You know, <laughs> they, you know oh, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> now I'm in trouble. But uh, anyway, uh, so anyway, so no, uh, we, uh, we're excited for God's uh, uh, blessing there and just uh, for her uh, success in that. But usually be, living in denial is seen as a bad thing, you know, as someone that, um, well, I wish I could uh, show you the next picture, but anyway, it's a guy, a picture of a, it's a really nice picture, actually, of a guy, um, uh, he's got his suit on and stuff, and he's got his head in the sand, okay, so he's living in denial, and that's usually how we think of the term that, uh, you know, it's kind of like a person is, is not dealing with reality around them, 
And uh, it kind of reminds me of a, a, of a guy who uh, I guess was going to see his counselor. And it was one of those hot days like Friday, you know, like 30 plus, you know. And this guy, he's got on snowshoes. Okay, He's walking down the street in Winnipeg, big snowshoes on and stuff. He's got a fur coat on, you know, and he's got one of these beaver hats with a tail coming on the back. He's got a cat sitting up top, you know, you know, he walks in, it's plus 30, you know, and he's like, Says to, the, says to the counselor, I came to see you about my brother, kind of thing, you know. That's what you call living in denial, okay? You know, not dealing with the problems before us. But uh, uh, anyway, we could go on and on, but that's actually not the direction we're going to go with this morning's message. It's not going to be a message on counseling or anything like that, but uh, it'll be talking about a passage in uh, uh, Titus, actually, that uh, was read to us earlier. And I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter Two, uh, Titus chapter two. By the way, uh, while I'm thinking of this, our, uh, we just got a brand new prayer letter, and uh, as when the service wraps up, feel free to uh, grab one at the back table. It'll have some praise items, prayer requests, uh, a couple of pictures of us uh, teaching at last weekend's summer missionary training and that kind of thing. And uh, so, uh, help yourself to that at the back table uh, after service is over. Okay. So we're going to start uh, reading in Titus chapter 2. Paul writes this, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify himself Purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Paul starts off this passage, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, to all people. And the place to start is maybe to ask the question, what exactly is grace? What is grace? It's a term we use a lot in Christianity, Christian circles. You know, someone wrote a song about how amazing grace is, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Unless you're a Gordon Moat, a piano player who played with the Gaither vocal band for a number of years, has been blind since, what, age three or something like that. His line is, I once was lost, and now I'm found, was blind, but I still am. <laughs> you know? And we love his sense of humor, but uh, uh, anyway, so we kind of uh, you know, enjoy that. But uh, anyway, amazing grace. So what's so amazing about grace? What exactly is grace? And we can maybe think of grace as the acronym, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. God reaching to us in love and, and extending to us, uh, you know, a gift that we did not deserve. And, um, sorry. hey, no problem. And, um, yeah, think about that grace thing for a moment there as we, uh, <laughs> I think we're locked up here. So, it's okay. Yeah, okay. Perfect. Okay, wonderful. Computers are wonderful, especially when they work, you know. All right. So grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, unmerited favor. God loving us so much that he extended that grace to us. And we find in this first, first uh, verse here of the passage we're looking at in verse 11 is that grace reaches. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Grace is reaching out to us. It's from God. It says the grace of God 
It brings salvation. It, it saves us from sin. And finally, it has appeared to all. So grace, teach, grace reaches. It's reaching out to us. God's love extended to people even though we did not deserve that grace. Well, secondly, we find that grace teaches. In verse 12, Paul writes this. It says, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So grace teaches. What does it teach us? Well, it teaches a couple of things. One is that we've got to deny some stuff. And secondly, we've got to live a certain way. Okay, And that's where this living and denial comes in. We've got to d- deny some things. As you look at verse 12, what does it say? What do we got to deny? Anybody? You got that in front of you? No? You got it memorized, maybe? Um, I'll tell you what. It says denying ungodliness. Well, well maybe let's take a step back and uh, say, what does it mean to deny something? What does it mean to deny something? Well, when we think of Scripture, we think of Peter, right? Here Jesus has been arrested. He's being put on trial, and Peter kind of sneaks in the back there and stuff, and he's warming himself by the fire. People are like, hey, weren't you with that Jesus guy? You know, he's like, I don't know, don't know, you know, kind of thing. And it goes on. Someone else, hey, you know, I think I saw you in the in the Jesus band kind of thing. You know, he's like, no, 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 don't know anything about this, you know. And what finally, what a girl comes up and says, hey, even your accent gives you away. You're, you're with that bunch as well. And he swears and curses and stuff. He's like, I don't know, you know. So denying something means, you know, I have no connection with that particular thing. So that's uh, one concept. Another uh, more recent illustration, I don't know if any of you caught the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs here in the last little, any, any hockey fans in the house today? No? Okay. Okay, two or three? Okay. The Jets in the first round against the St. Louis Blues, they run into this hot goaltender, number 50, young rookie goaltender, Jordan Bennington, you know, and, and basically he shuts the door on the Jets, you know, here's Liney and Little and Buffman and stuff, and they can't get anything by this guy, you know, this young rookie goaltender, uh, um, uh, uh, whatever his name is, uh, Bennington, Jordan Bennington. And, and it, it was interesting listening to the commentators as they were announcing the game. I don't know if you caught that or not, but they're like, you know, you know they're talking about how the Jets are doing their, their plays and stuff, and they're denied by Pennington. You know, here he comes, you know, this save after save. You know, he's like, no, you know, nothing's going to go into my net and stuff. And, and they knocked off the Jets, and then the next team, I forget who they played next, and then the Sharks, and of course, the bad Boston goon, uh, Bruins kind of thing. <laughs> finally to win the cup, you know, and here's this young rookie goaltender denying all these players, you know, uh, Marchant and all these other guys coming to score, and it's like, no, they're denied by Bennington, you know, and it kind of struck me, you know, and so maybe as we look at the things we got to deny, that's maybe the mindset we got to have, you know, when the world comes at us with stuff saying, no, you know, you're not going to get that past me, you're not going to pull that off, you're not going to put that into my life. So what do we got to deny? If we got to deny stuff, and, and maybe the example of Peter saying, no, I'm no I have no connection to that, or, or the Jordan, Jordan Bennington illustration, there's a tongue twister. Basically, uh, you know, I'm not going to allow that in my life. What do we got to deny? We've got to deny, Paul says, ungodliness. Deny ungodliness. Now, that's a pretty basic word that you break it down is ungodliness. Anything that's not godly, Paul says, you know what? Don't have anything to do with it. Anything, of, anything not of God, just say no. It's kind of like starve the, starve the bad in your life and uh, let the good uh, grow. Kind of like the bad dog, good dog scenario. The dog you feed is the dog that's going to grow. And uh, 
maybe an illustration is, oh, perfect. As we start off our, uh, thank you. Awesome. How about a big hand for Jeremy and the team? <laughs> so anyway, just to recap here, this is, this is a fellow that's living in denial, okay, you know, and, uh, and these people are living uh, in denial, in Egypt kind of thing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so, so anyway, grace, uh, we talked about grace, uh, big word charis. If you've had someone from Union Gospel Mission, they probably talked about the charis center, uh, the uh, women's addiction center, that grace that God is extending to us, grace of God, it reaches, brings salvation, and has appeared to all. So grace reaches, grace teaches. Okay, let's get back to this denying thing, teaching us that we've got to deny some stuff. We've got to deny, as I said, like Peter, denying that he knew Christ. We don't want to deny that way. We don't want to deny Christ, obviously, but more the illustration of we're not going to allow this into our lives. We've got to deny ungodliness. Big fancy Greek word, asebeian, or I don't know if we've got any Greek scholars in the house, but basically meaning anything not of God, we've got to say no. So we start off our day, and it's always a question. I don't know if it is for you. I'm sure it is uh, for myself. You know, we get up in the morning. It's like, okay, I'm going to start my day, you know, finding out what's happening on Facebook, what's happening in the world, flick on the TV or whatever. Or am I going to start my day saying, okay, you know what? The world is a crazy place. I'm going to start my day anchored in the word of God, you know, denying ungodliness and starting our day anchored in the things of the Lord. Paul says we've got to deny ungodliness. In fact, in Romans 1.18, he writes this, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And if you read that chapter, Romans chapter 1, and, you know, in your other hand, you watch, you got the newspaper or whatever, it's kind of like one reading the other kind of thing. You read Romans 1 and you're kind of like, whoa, that's our world today. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you read it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Deny ungodliness. Secondly, we've got to deny worldly lust. And uh, a couple of big Greek words there. Cosmicus epithumius. Okay? And basically that first word, cos cosmicus, is the root word of that is cosmos, the world. Denying worldly lust. The lust of the world. Basically what that word means is passionate longing, uh, lust, and desire. Do we have any lusts in our world? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I think it's everywhere, right? It's crazy. Our world is absolutely crazy. And again, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you flick on the evening news for any amount of time, you will see our world is crazy with this stuff. It's just gone absolutely mad. And what's wrong is being portrayed as right. And what's right is being called wrong. Uh, now, I didn't see this myself. Uh, friends of ours had seen a, a commercial during this month of June, which in particular is really promoting uh, sin uh, around the world. But uh, the, uh, a commercial, I think, by Westfair Foods, uh, not to whatever, but uh, the people that run a lot of grocery stores, including one they think is super. But uh, anyway, <laughs> basically the whole ad was endorsing this, this lifestyle. Like I said, I didn't see the ad myself endor endorsing this lifestyle of rebellion. And then the catchphrase at the end was, because it's the right thing to do. It's kind of like, whoa, like how has our world got so twisted that we're endorsing sin because it's the right thing to do, you know? Paul says, deny worldly lusts. And our world has become so twisted that unless you push this stuff, unless you're in agreement, you're flying the flag, you know, and stuff, you will be uh, ridiculed, you will be mocked, you will be ostracized. Our local member of parliament uh, in the last 
couple of years has had such pressure from the media in regards to this, you know, the, this parade stuff that goes on and stuff and, and being pressured to go. And, and thankfully, he's a man of God that has said, no, we will not stand for the, you know, endorsing the lusts of the world. And uh, if you're not endorsing this stuff, you're ostracized, you're cut off from funding. Our mission for the last couple of years has said, we are not going to endorse this kind of a lifestyle. We will not uh, support the murder of the unborn. And as a result, we've been denied uh, between two to $300,000 in government funding. And so our world is just gone crazy, you know. But Paul says, as the followers of God, as recipients of God's grace, we've got to deny worldly lusts, even if it comes at a cost. Well, thankfully, there's a positive side. There's kind of a contrast, you know, deny ungodliness, deny worldly lust, but here's how we got to live. Paul says, we got to live soberly, okay? Soberly. Well, that's interesting. It's the fourth time that word is used here in this chapter alone, so it must have been very important for Paul. Soberly means to, to have a sound mind, to be focused, to be alert, not intoxicated, not high, even if it's allowed, even if it's legal in your country kind of thing, you know. I loved what someone said years ago, I don't need the spirit in the bottle when I've got the spirit in my heart. I don't need the spirit in the bottle when I've got the spirit in my heart. Paul says live soberly, live focused, alert lives. Secondly, he says live righteously. Now what does that big word mean? It basically means having a standard of right and wrong, and that's what God gives us in his word, and living by it, even if it comes at a cost. The, uh, a grade one uh, teacher some time ago asked uh, her students to uh, finish these well-known proverbs. And um, so, so she gave them the first part of these proverbs and, and the kids were to finish off the last part. And I'll share a few of these with you. You might recognize some of these. Um, it's always darkest before daylight saving time, you know. Um, you can lead a horse to water, but how, you know? Uh, what else? Um, a miss is as good as a mister. I, I, I thought they were funnier than that, but anyway. Uh, you can teach an old dog new math, you know. Uh, any hog farmers here? The pen is mightier than the pigs, you know. It's supposed to be pen is mightier than the sword, right? I think that's how it goes. Okay. Uh, a penny saved is not much, you know. <laughs> Two's company, three's the musketeers. Uh, Laugh and the whole world laughs with you. Cry and how does it end? Okay, this student thought it said, uh, "Cry and you have to blow your nose." Okay, <laughs> here's one for you. Children should be seen and not spanked or grounded. Okay, <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, get new batteries. <laughs> uh, okay, when the blind lead the blind, get out of the way. You know. Uh, and I don't know if I should share this one with you, but I will. A bird in the hand is going to poop on you. Okay. <laughs> well, we kind of chuckle at that, and they are kind of silly. But the point is, just like those kids didn't know the end of those sayings, it's kind of like so many children and, and youth in our world have no idea of right and wrong. You know, this world presents such a distorted, twisted view of morality and calling wrong right. It's the right thing to do. And there's just such confusion. And so as believers, it's important that we live lives of example, living lives of righteousness. And I know we're not perfect, but as we live out the lives as, as Christ calls us to live, living by his word, letting his spirit guide us, you know, we can model to the world what a Christian 
couple looks like, a Christian family, what that looks like, what a church working together, what a witness that can be. And we were talking in Sunday school about uh, churches working together in a community, how that's a witness to the world of, of Christians working uh, together. Paul says we've got to live soberly. We've got to live righteously. Thirdly, we've got to live godly. Well, what does that mean? It's kind of the opposite of ungodly, right? Uh, and basically remembering that God sees everything and that God is with us at all times. Having that God consciousness, you know, God is with me, God is with me, can really revolutionize our lives. Paul says we've got to live soberly, righteously, godly. And thirdly, fourthly, we've got to live looking. We've got to have a long-term perspective. Looking, not just, not just kind of stepping one step in front of the other, but having a long-term perspective of what's coming. And Paul says we are looking for a hope. He says it's a blessed hope. We have something to look forward to. This world is not all there is. There is a great day coming, our Lord's return. You might say, we have one hope, Canada. You know, so anyway, anyway. All right, we carry on. Uh, looking also for the glorious... Okay, groaners this morning, sorry. We'll try and wrap up the comedy for next time. But uh, secondly, we're looking for the blessed hope. Secondly, the glorious appearing of our Lord. Now, I don't know, I, I trust that in this church you get preaching on the return of our Lord. A lot of places you don't hear a lot about the return of our Lord. And it's so bizarre because, like I say, as you look at the, the world news, the, things are moving so fast that, I mean, the Lord, the trumpet could sound at any moment. And uh, his return, his appearing is going to be glorious. Now, it's interesting Paul's wording here in verse 13. We're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of what? Of who? Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that's a whole sermon in itself right there. And uh, don't worry, I won't uh, you know, preach a sermon within a sermon. But next time, you know, for example, you get your uh, people coming up your driveway, traveling two by two, trying to see if you're awake or if you uh, want to become part of the watchtower and that kind of thing. Uh, and they, they're saying that, uh, you know, Jesus is just, ah, God, you know, little G kind of thing. Well, you can remind them of this verse that says Jesus is our God and Savior. He is God in human form. And again, I love that Sunday school class where they've been studying Colossians. I mean, if you ever need more uh, information, scripture, talk to Hank. He's got lots from Colossians. There's so much in Colossians that talks about who Jesus is. You know, Jesus, God in human form, the image of the invisible God. Oh, I mean, it's just such a good, good book. Our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul talks here, there's four aspects he shares as we talk about what we're looking for. We're looking for our God to save us, okay? And he has saved us from sin. Jesus is our Savior, the one who saves from sin. Secondly, it's sacrificial. God's love is not only a saving love, it's a sacrificial love. He gave himself for us. He didn't just give us a gift. He is the gift, okay? He sacrifices. He gave himself for us. Thirdly, he redeems us. He paid the price for our sins. He bought us back from every lawless deed, Paul writes. And then fourthly, he, rede oops, uh, he purifies us. He cleans us up for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. I love the, the Gaither song, I catch him, God cleans him. Sometimes we think it's up to us to grab the world and kind of scrub them all up and get them all cleaned up and then maybe they'll be good enough to get saved kind of thing, you know. Well, that's not how it works. You know, it's kind of like we, we share the gospel with our neighbors, with the kids at camp, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and he starts that cleaning up work in their lives. So God desires to purify for himself his own special people, 
zealous for good works. And if you are zealous for good works, I hope you are. There's lots of opportunities this summer all across One Hope Canada. And if you don't want to serve in Manitoba, we've got some huge needs in Quebec as well. So talk to me after, and uh, we'll, if you're zealous for good works, we've got lots of good works uh, ready to share with you. God's grace is reaching out to us. If you have never invited Jesus into your life, if you don't know what it means to have Jesus uh, come in to save you from sin and to uh, create that new life in you, please uh, uh, let's talk after, talk to Pastor Danny, and uh, he would love to introduce you to that amazing grace. God's grace is ready to move in this community, in this uh, country, at our camps, and um, it's exciting. You know, this afternoon, I mean, hundreds of boys and girls coming to camps across Canada, and God's desiring to reach them with the great message of salvation. But to do so, he uses people, whether to reach people here in Killarney, people at camp, wherever. God is calling people to live differently, to live in denial, to deny the things of the world and say, you know what, I'm going to live for Jesus no matter what the cost. Living differently, saying no to the enticements of the world and living God's way soberly, righteously, godly, and having a long-term perspective of his soon return. May God find us faithful, watching and waiting until he returns. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your grace, that grace that reaches out to us and that has touched so many in this church and uh, through places like Turtle Mountain Bible Camp. And Lord, we just marvel that your grace is still reaching people today. And Lord, it's teaching us as well. And in this this day of confusion, this day of uh, this rebellion in our world, our hearts break as we see just the deception of the enemy. And we pray, Lord God, by your spirit that you would move, use us, Lord, to model for uh, the people around us what godliness is like, what righteousness is like. And so help us, Lord, to live by your word, to be people of your word, people uh, guided by your spirit. And Lord, help us to be ready for that day when you return. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not know you, that is not ready for when that trumpet will sound, I pray that your spirit would stir that heart until he or she has made peace with you. And so, Lord, thank you for your word. May you uh, use it to change our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.